The Torah content for this week has been sponsored by Judah and Naomi Dardik in honor of Rabbi Moskowitz's second yard site and in appreciation for all those whose love of Torah and excitement for ideas shines in their teaching. Okay, so before we do the next parak, uh, I got a response from my Dutch monarchy loving friend um, <laughs> about this halacha, which we read yesterday, which is in so not only Malchus, but all authorities and all appointments in Israel are an inheritance from father to son forever. That's provided that the son is a adequate replacement in terms of Chachma and Yira. Okay. Um, so the question I posed, I posed this to a lot of people, but, but I also posed it to, to Yoel, uh, which is help me as a 21st century American who views meritoc- uh, who views pure meritocracy as like an ideal, help me to understand the rationale behind having all appointments and, and uh, positions be hereditary. Okay. And I said, don't write me 140 page treatise on it. Um, so he said he stopped himself before he pulled, started pulling books off the shelf. So this is what he wrote. Okay. He says, one, the child is raised by the leader and thus has seen how to be a leader from his youth. Okay. Two, standing in a long line of leaders with all their successes and failures creates a family tradition of knowledge from lived experiences within a community, something, something that abstract theory and ideological visionaries often lack. It's another good point. Three, hereditary leaders have a long vision of preserving the community for their children and grandchildren. Elected officials often will have to make all types of promises to get elected for their temporary rule, and they might throw all kinds of money at the public to keep being voted in again and to make it appear they're doing something. The future is someone else's concern, not the hereditary leader. Right? That's uh, that also you see in, in the crown uh, about each person in the chain is very concerned with what the current you know monarch is doing to like enhance or jeopardize. You know, you, you could lose this. This has been going for, for centuries. You could, you could lose this for all of us, you know. Four, hereditary leaders have the personality they are born with. Even if mediocre, they are statistically less likely to be a power-hungry maniac compared to those who seek power in that brutal fight to the top. I think that gets to what you were talking about with, um, with oftentimes elected leaders um, uh, like will clamor for power and then become like tyrants, you know. Um, I mean, obviously, all of these can cut both ways. I'm not... Uh, just to be clear also, I didn't ask why is this a better system? I asked what is the rationale behind the system? And I think those are two very different questions. Okay, five, because clearly there are, there are downsides to monarchy also and to hereditary leadership. Five, the hereditary leader has been the com- with the community he leads from day one, and thus his subjects relate to his family name in the sense of familiarity, continuation, stability, and group identity. Think about what would happen if my name was not Stopper, but Soloveitchik. We all know how my words will automatically have more weight, even among those who have never met me. Accepting my authority would come much more naturally. Yeah. <laughs> I told him, well, there happens to be someone in this year. <laughs> okay, six. <laughs> uh, hereditary leaders are expected to be the next leader. It is mundane. New leaders will come with much stronger supporters, but also detractors. It will create division because everyone will be looking for their own self-interest or vision uh, who should be the leader. Seven, as for monarchy, clear rules for who will be the heir with, by birth prevented wars of succession. That's a big one for monarchy. We can understand that. Yeah. It's clearly not the case of the uh, uh, with uh, for seven for with the yeah. succession, uh, it was pretty explicitly precludes that benefit. Uh, what do you mean? As he says, only if the person is uh, fitting to take up. Oh right, yeah, yeah, is, correct. 
yeah, yeah. Self-subjective enough that basically. Yeah. So he, is, so you'll address that next. He says, Raman's view is slightly different as he requires fear of God, uh, which will introduce possible conflict, but only on the matter of being righteous. This means that egomaniacal Tamid Chachamim would be less likely to be able to take over uh, either, uh, as it is not a matter of who is the greatest mind, but who is publicly known as a good person, which I think is a good point. Is, is uh, I mean, he's uh, Ram says Chachman Yerush Hashem also, so I, I don't know if you're always taking that into account. And then he says all of the above is also abstract, um, but it is the type of arguments given from the Greeks until today for hereditary leadership, which is the historical intellectual context Ramam is clearly part of. How it stands up in different historical periods, I do not know. Democracy had had a bad reputation until the 19th century. Yeah, Rindy always used to point this out that like democracy was like an insult, like a you know oh you're a Democrat, like in terms of like you know popular rule. Uh, the Italian republics were not democracies either. People back then did not know that in the future we would have such amazing leaders like Joe Biden and Donald Trump <laughs> by democracy, so we can't blame them. Okay, you'll like to, to be rabble rousing to that. Yeah, so I, I think that does give me a lot more context. And there was another discussion which I didn't record here about how um, Moshe Halbertal in his book, Maimonides, um, writes about how that was one of the ways that the Rama was disillusioned about the Ge'onim. Because early in the Rama's career, the, the Rama actually explicitly says that in one of his biggest mistakes in the Pirish of Mishnayos was he relied way too much on the Ge'onim. And then as he went through and wrote the Mishnah Torah, he went back and changed a lot of his psaq about the Ge'onim. So Halbertal has a theory that, you know, that the Ramam was like um, uh, opposed to the hereditary position of the Gonim and wanted to subvert it. And that was part of the motive of writing the Mishnah Torah to like make it so that Halacha was independent of the Gonit. Um, and, uh, and so that's, so, so, so someone commented on that. And then one of my other friends commented and said, if so, then that makes a very interesting subtext for this uh, Halacha about being Mamali Makum in, in, in Chachma and Yerush Hashem, you know, that the Ramam is, uh, you know, emphasizing that point. Yeah, what were you going to say? Uh, yeah, never mind. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I thought that, that was a nice little follow up there. Okay. So today, uh, let's do Kavod, uh, Kavod Hamachos. Yeah. I think it's like I said to you with that issue, but I thought also with the hereditary positions, if, say, there is like, someone else who's getting tyrannical and takes power. The hereditary uh, institution is much more willing to resist that because they have a claim to authority. It's not just right. Spider. That's true. It makes it more uh, resilient. Right. Also, if you have a hereditary mafos, then you can go summon a ghost army if you need to. If you're the uh, heir to the, uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, okay. So we're doing Kavod Hamelach now, and um, I mentioned to Chaim before Shir that we really should have, or not. We you mentioned we should have done this. I was going to say that um, really these halachos, I'm. I have an expectation, which is that this is going to help us to understand Kavod Hashem, because we relate to Hashem as Melech, and we in this room nowadays don't really have living models of that in a way that is real to us. So we kind of our best get, you know, best way to get it is to abstract it from the halachos, you know, because that's what Klai Yisrael had. Kavod God Melech. We treat the king with great Kavod. And we instill his dread and fear in the heart of every person. So that his um, fear will be upon you. Okay. We do not ride on his horse. We do not sit on his throne. We don't use his scepter. Kisro, not his uh, crown. Not any one of his implements. And when he dies, all of these things are burned in front of him, which I guess, in, does that include the horse? 
Is this cool on? That's interesting. I thought That's we like, like I I thought I thought I thought we like uh like uh meme the horse or something like that. Oh, do we? I mean, maybe. I mean, it, it, it sounds like he's saying something like that. Um, I want to point out also, by the way, that I don't know what the conventions were in uh, Persia, but in light of this halacha, you really see how brazen Haman's request is to wear the king's crown and horse and parade around like the king. You know, like that's like a. You know, if this, to the extent that this is an absolute thing, then like, you know, um, yeah, this is bad. Um, have you seen The King's Speech? I don't know. Have you seen The King's Speech? Oh, one of the best movies. Okay, I'm fine. I won't, okay, I won't spoil it then. Um, spoiler, he becomes king. Okay. Uh, the only person who can use his servants, his, his maidservants and his uh, attendants is another king. That's why Abishag was muttered to Shlomo, Basura Adonia, and Asur to Adonia. So, in other words, it's not absolute Isser. You can, it's interesting that there's uh, gradations in terms of the, the human uh, servants, because we're going to see in a second about Ishtosha Melech, but the wife of the king, uh, she cannot uh, be beard to another person forever. Even a king cannot marry the widow or the divorcee of another king. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. It's usher to see the king when he's naked. And not when he's in, nor when he's getting his hair cut. And not when he is in a bathhouse. By the way, the haircut thing, might support what I said uh, yesterday, why we were wondering why a barber can't be a king because that's a lowly profession. It might be that having your hair cut was viewed as like a hygienic, like an unsavory hygienic thing, as opposed to, let's say, like no one says, oh, you're going to a hairstylist, you know, <laughs> like, uh, like that's nasty, like, you know, but back then maybe it was the case. Um, and now when he's being sponge bathed, dry, dried off, Right. Uh, I mean, I know, only I know this from is from the Avodosim uh, Kippurim on Yom Kippur, where the Kohen Gadol gets out of the mikveh Olav Umis Tapag, and he like dries off. So I don't know. I mean, I assumed he would be naked at that point, but I get. I mean, that also says based on Mirchatz, so I don't know. The Inu Cholates Shnemar Viyarka Befanav Vzebizayon. So I think it means that you cannot take off his shoes because that is a bizayon. Um, let me just double check that. Uh, oh, he may not perform chalitza. Never mind. He cannot do actual chalitza. Because um, she has to spit. Is that a Is that she spits him? Is, is that why? I think he's saying, yeah, yeah. I, mean, because I, I, I don't know what that means. Right, yeah, no, does that mean? Doesn't involve spit. spitting the Zebi Zion, and that's the Zion for her to spit. Yeah. But Filu Rata in Shomin Lo. Even if he wants to, then we don't listen, or she wants. I think she wants. No, no, he wants. Rata, yeah. If he wants to, then we don't listen to him. So that, that's it's funny he introduces that point here that a king may not be mochel on his cover. A king who is mochel on his cover is is not mochel because it belongs to uh, to the to the state. And since he can't do chalitza, he also can't do yibum. Oh, that's interesting. So he's mufka from the whole institution then. That's what I thought until that sentence. Yeah. And just as he cannot be, uh, oh, so similarly, since he cannot be Miyabim, his wife, he cannot be Cholitz for her, and she must remain in her state of Zika forever. 
Okay, Mace Low Mace, if someone, uh, one of his relatives, yeah. Realizing, assuming that someone else is getting their hair cut, then you still have at least one person who washes this. <laughs> yes, do it blind. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I, I, I would think so. Right, I would, I would think. What? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, wouldn't the? Uh, I mean, this has nothing to do with the with the hair cutting. But okay. wouldn't the Khalita, uh, or I should say, the Yibum issue of his wife, um, doing you or having Yibum done to her, wouldn't that be a problem? Because we already said that her that his widow can't be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I Meaning he can't do Yibum to his if his brothers if his brother dies and his wife and the brother doesn't have a kid, then he can't do Yibum with her. Right. Right. Yeah. But, so uh, she remains she so to... she remains in her Zika in her Zika right. state. So she can't no, no, do but... yeah. Kevin Shiev Charlie Yavim as Ishto's that that he can't he can't do even to since no, no since he can't do even to his own with his own uh since Yibum uh, wait <laughs> yeah I am missing something yeah do you, you have uh does this also potter all his siblings for doing Yibum does it potter what all his siblings I would think I so, no okay, like, huh? remember, remember we thought there's some crystal about Yibum like. That if there's one sibling that you can't just do with, it automatically the you can't do it with anyone. Hold on, let me just let me uh let me just go to Chabad.org. Not Chad, Chabad.org. <laughs> um yeah, I'm yeah, the vein is throwing me off. Or, or the Kavan. Yeah. Okay, let's see here. So, um, okay, so, oh, there's no footnotes here. Okay, let's just read it out. He may not perform Chalitza. Uh, for concerning that ritual, it is said uh, that it is disrespectful. So that's if, if he, if his brother dies, right, without yeah. a kid, then he cannot do Chalitza um, <laughs> with, with his wife. With, with his uh, mm-hmm. sister-in-law, because she would have to spit in front of him and say "kaha yasalish," etc. So that's this record of him. Okay, fine. Uh, then, since he is not allowed to perform kalita, he is not eligible to participate in yibum. Similarly, in the event of his death, um, it is forbidden to, intim- to initiate yibum with his wife. Okay, so that he adds, oh. right? Yeah. So that was so that that's was the your point. question then, right? Is that um. Is that yeah. wouldn't that be covered by the case before? Because no one's allowed to uh, marry his wife anyway. So uh, I, I guess I guess there is still a havamina that um, mm-hmm. yeah that Yibum would work or that, that what was Yibum the uh, what was the sorry what, what what was the lashon he used before? Was it was it that's, that no one can be can be shimush or tashmish? Was it tashmish uh, or was it is ina niv elas laacher laolam afilo mel ino nosel so he uses nosa yeah. So I wonder if, like, I mean, Nosa yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't, I mean, Yibum isn't exactly Nisuin. Yeah, you know, so. yeah. I, I think Yibum, Yibum definitely has its own, like, um, exceptional, uh, you know, like, track, you know? So yeah. I just don't know enough about Yibum to know that this is actually a Havamina. I mean, apparently it is. But, uh, yeah. Um, okay, let's just do uh, two more. Mace Lo Mace, if uh, one of the, if he loses a Karo, he cannot leave his palace. When they do the the um, coming by to comfort him, 
all of the people recline on the on the on the ground. Who may have all had dargish, and he reclines on the dargish. What's a dargish? Um, a low couch. Okay. Um, yeah. Doesn't the Ram hold that? Uh, I mean, is that a is that a chiddush that everybody sits on the ground? And because the Ram holds that that in general, when you're when you're menachem avol, don't you uh like you have to sit lower than the than the than the avel now? Yeah, but do you have, do you have to sit on the ground? Oh, yeah, I, I'd have I to go back to the house. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember. Yeah. No, just, yeah. Yeah. He holds. He holds that the avel supposed to like sit at like the head, and like everybody sits like around, and then like. Yeah. I mean, Actually, I'm also this is this is for um the Kishimavin also, which is I think with the meal, right? And the Masubin also to me implies that, you know, that uh but I don't know, I don't really know what the comparison is for the regular Alvo case. David, if he enters the Azara and he's one of the Zara David Yeshev, then he sits down. Okay, only people who can sit in the Azara are Mahabes David. I don't really know the context there. Okay, I just wanted to get to this one because this is another um, haircut halacha. Hamelach mistaber b'choyom. He gets a haircut every day, <laughs> right? Umasakin atma umisnaid bilavushim mifuarim, and he has to like fix himself up and make himself beautiful with uh, glorious garments. Shnemar melach biofio techazana enecha. A king in his beauty, your eyes will see. Biyoshiv al kisim malchus b'paltorin shelo. He should sit on his throne in his palace. Umesim keser brosho and wear the crown on his head. B'chol ha'am bayne lav beishirte. And all the people come to him whenever they want. Umoni lefanav mishtafim arza. And they come before him and they bow down. So that's a very interesting thing. Sorry, b'chol eishirte. I think that's whenever he wants, right? Not whenever they want. I don't. I don't think they could just like barge in. Um, I, I know people have the right to consult the king, but like I, I, I assume he has some say. Unless I'm going to check it out though. Well, he's supposed to say they can't. Uh, right. Yeah, he could definitely say that. Um, wait. Uh, yeah, it says over there uh, when he desires. When he desires. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So there is this physical glory thing also. Okay. Let's stop here. And uh, I kind of want to do this next week. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm down. Okay. All right. Let's do this then. Right, this, it's a fun, fun odyssey here. Okay. All right. Yeah. Very good. Very good. All right. See ya, Chaim. See ya. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Schneeweiss. Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss, and my Zelle slash Chase QuickPay and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor an article, share, or podcast episode, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewos at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.